Jesus, thank you for what you have done for us, and I pray that in these next few minutes you help us understand what it means for our lives that you came from heaven to earth just to be with us. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to start by showing you a picture of my grandmother, and I think this is just like the quintessential sweet little grandma picture, don't you? Yeah, the woman was an Amazon, actually. She, she lived on a farm her whole life, and I remember in college taking my girlfriend to visit her, and we went out to the pasture to move some irrigation pipes. The only problem was I could not lift them. So my grandmother just shoved me aside, picks up this huge pipe, puts it on her shoulder, and just walks off. My girlfriend laughed for 10 minutes. It was humiliating. But to this day, I insist that I loosened it for her. Well, it's sort of like Christmas, and you may wonder how. But here's, here's how. At Christmas, we get so focused on Jesus as a baby that we think of it as this kind of sweet, gentle, mild holiday. When in reality, it's actually a very powerful event. It's actually an invasion. It is D-Day. It is the beginning, not the end, but it is the beginning of God's rescue mission to this planet where God himself comes in the person of Jesus to do battle with anything that threatens us. And when Jesus invades our lives, he brings victory in two ways I want to briefly talk about. And the first is this. Jesus, when he gets into our lives, he brings adventure and joy by making us a part of his rescue mission. Adventure and joy. When I was in seminary, the dullest class I took was church history. The textbook was even written by a man named Eugene Boring. <laughs> okay, if your name is Eugene Boring, do not write a textbook, right? You, you are just begging to be mocked. But often that is how we preachers have made Jesus seem very boring. In fact, as I was leaving, my kids urged me to wear this tie because if you press it, it plays jingle bells. And they said that way during the sermon you can press it and people won't be bored when you're preaching. <laughs> nice vote of confidence, right? What Christmas shows is that Jesus is not boring. God is a God of adventure. He is the only God in any religion ever that had the guts to leave the comfort of heaven to come down here to rescue us. He loves an adventure. What Christmas shows, it proves decisively that if God were to ever choose a movie, he would choose action and adventure, not romantic comedy. Okay, this, this is a biblical teaching. Don't argue with me. <laughs> and if we make Jesus our leader and our forgiver, he leads us into adventure and joy. Last Christmas, when we got done opening our presents, my seven-year-old looked around and she said, is that it? Is that all there is? Pastor's kids are so spiritual at Christmas. But if you think about it, it's a profound question. This job, this house, these achievements, that it? That all there is? And with Jesus, the answer is absolutely no way. There's a woman who goes to this church whose husband left her after they had raised their kids together, which is very painful, but Jesus intervened and helped her overcome that pain. In prayer, she started to get these nudges, she knew her from Jesus, to have foster kids come and live with her. Now, at this point, she is in her 60s. And these are kids who come from no homes or abusive homes, they're in trouble with the law, but she decided to do it. Well, in order to do that, she needed a house. So she found one, put an offer down, and the owner rejected it. Six months later, the house was still on the market. So she came and made an offer, this time lower than her first offer, and the owner said, well, this is lower than your first offer. Why should I take it? And she said, because you haven't sold your house, have you? 
a compelling case, so she got the house, filled it up with foster kids. And for ye over, the, over the years, many of these kids, not all of them, but many of them turned their life around because of her love. Got great jobs, got back on track. Well, she did this for years until she decided that she was too old to have foster kids. So then she decided to start going into prisons to help prisoners. You know, because you're never too old to volunteer in a prison. She spent so much time in prisons that one of her foster kids said, Mom, you spend more time in jail than I do. <laughs> she has made a huge difference in many lives, but also in hers. She is one of the most joyful people I know. Always got a smile on her face. I asked her one time, why would you do such difficult things like this? And she said, well, pastor, but the tone really was more like, listen, Sonny, because it makes me happy. Now, if you were to meet her, you'd think what a sweet, nice woman, which she is, but she is also a show no fear, believe all things are possible, go anywhere, do anything, see the power of God, I ain't afraid of no devil, warrior of a woman. Because Jesus got into her life when she was reeling from the pain of divorce and gave her an adventure that gave her joy that helped her rise above that pain. Which brings me to the second way that Jesus brings victory. And that is that he can defeat anything that tries to oppress us in life. You know, the story, Christmas story we read, it starts by talking about a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus, who was the emperor of the known world. Then it mentions Quirinius, the governor, both of whom, history tells us, were absolute tyrants, oppressive tyrants. But Jesus became greater than all of them. You know, at Christmas time, we do not sing away in a manger, no crib for the bed. The little governor Quirinius lay down his sweet head. They're forgotten. But we're here tonight because of Jesus, which shows that he is more powerful than anything that oppresses us. That's why when God entered our world, he did not make it easy on himself. He took on the harshest conditions he could. I mean, he was born in a barn after all. That, that is a difficult start, right? Although one doctor told me a couple weeks ago, well, he's born in a barn because his health insurance wouldn't pay for anything else. <laughs> no. He took on the hardships that we live on that we live under. He was poor. He was rejected by many of his peers. He ended his life by dying on a cross. But here's the thing. He didn't just endure those circumstances. He transformed them. He conquered them. Because he didn't just die on a cross. He rose again from the dead three days later, showing that God can conquer even death. And yes, in this life, we face pain and hardship and trouble and will until Jesus comes again to finish the battle he began on Christmas and set everything right. But in the meantime, Whatever it is that we face, health problems, financial problems, relationship he is problems, he is stronger than all of those. And he's either going to defeat those things outright, or he can give us a miraculous sense of joy that helps us rise above anything that tries to keep us down. There's a man I know of who grew up in extreme poverty, a very abusive home. It got so bad at 17 he decided to kill himself. But his teacher, a woman named Ms. Bush, follower of Jesus, in prayer, felt like what Jesus wanted her to do was really care for this young man. So she would always encourage him and say, I see something in you that's different, and I don't want you to give up because I believe you're going to make a big difference in the world. Well, she didn't know it, but that saved his life. He barely graduated from high school, went on, to, went on didn't, didn't go to college, skipped college, went on to sell shoes for his uncle. But his uncle ended up firing him, which is tough when your own uncle fires you. So then he went to work for his uncle's rival, Crosstown. Well, he did very well there. 
and at a very young age became executive vice president of a major shoe company. So, American success story, right? Well, there's more. Along the way, he began following Jesus. So when the big tsunami hit a couple of years ago, he was watching TV, and he saw an image of a single shoe on a beach. And in that moment, he got a thought that he knew came from Jesus. He's in the shoe business. So he called shoe people that he knew all around the world, and he collected 250,000 pairs of shoes to send to the tsunami victims. Well, along the way, he discovered that a lot of kids in the world don't have shoes, and that makes them susceptible to all kinds of diseases, and that a simple pair of flip-flops can mean the difference between life and death. So he started an organization called Souls for Souls that gets shoes for kids all around the developing world. And he says to look in a kid's eye as they receive a pair of shoes for the first time in their lives and know that he was a part of that. He says it gives him more joy, more adrenaline than the biggest deal he ever made, the best house he ever bought, the nicest vacation he ever took. A while back there was a huge celebration to honor all of his work. And press was there, you know, dignitaries were there. But guess who the guest of honor was? An elderly woman named Miss Bush who took compassion on a troubled 17-year-old boy and changed his life. You see, great doors swing on small hinges. And when Jesus is leading you like he was Ms. Bush, something as small as showing love to a boy in trouble can end up saving thousands of lives. Jesus conquered a lot of things in that story. Poverty, loneliness, pain, all kinds of things. Because he is just stronger than any of the things that try to oppress us. So this Christmas, will you say, if you've known him a long time or you don't know him at all, will you say, Jesus, invade my life. Be my leader. Be my forgiver. I will follow you so that you don't just have a merry Christmas, but you can have a powerful Christmas. A woman in our church tells a story about her husband's uncle who had an identical twin brother. And one of these twins, they were identical looking, but they were different in character. One was very meek, very mild, kind of timid, and the other was very aggressive. Well, the school bully would always pick on the very meek, timid twin. But one day, the bully got a hold of the aggressive twin, thinking it was the meek one, and tried to bully him. And that didn't turn out so well for the bully. He learned a lesson, and he, that was the last time, in fact, that he ever bullied anyone. Here's the thing. As, at Christmas, God came as a meek-looking, timid, passive baby, in part so that we would not be afraid of him. But do not be fooled. That is the God who spoke the galaxies into existence in that manger, coming to defeat everything that threatens us. You see, in the words of the Christmas hymn, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, what really has happened in that first Christmas, what was really going on behind the scenes that first Christmas, is that rank on rank, the hosts of heaven spread their army on the way, as the light of light descended from the realms of endless day, that the powers of hell may vanish as the darkness flees away, and whenever Jesus enters our lives, the powers of hell vanish, the darkness flees away, and we are set free in his name. So this year, yeah, Merry Christmas for sure. But more than that, have a powerful Christmas. And you can because of Jesus. So Jesus, help us to trust that, believe that, let you invade our lives and let you change what you want to change so that we can have the victory you came to give us. Thank you, Lord, that you came to find us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.